I'm Taffer. And I'm Bailey. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club and you're invited. Yeah! Yeah. We'd like to take this time to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and the indigenous communities of that area. Living in Canada, I am, of course, currently thinking about the knuckleheads who are uh, holding the capital city hostage and the police who are not doing shit about it, despite really loving hauling indigenous land and water protectors away and doing violence to them and uh, uh, doing lots of harm to their communities. Um, That is what is on my mind currently. (laughs) It's very upsetting. I, I like, I hope that people in other countries are aware of this i think Mm -hmm. they are i think this is a big enough deal that people are aware of it uh but basically a whole bunch of anti-vax trucker protesters who by the Mm -hmm. way do not represent the whole trucker community a large uh proportion of the trucker long-haul trucking community in canada Mm -hmm. are southeast asian immigrants who at south and southeast asian who would actually really like everybody to be vaccinated um, and are mm-hmm. vaccinated and are busy running those routes right now. The <laughs> other, the other, like important thing to note is that the majority of people there, at least like on the way there originally, were not truckers. Yeah, it was something like less than two hundred trucks and over four hundred like passenger vehicles. It has become a general anti-COVID safety measures protest. And it's, if you look at, like, where, who the organizers were, it's all these, like, far right-wing politicians. Well, it's, it's white supremacists, and, and we yes. have uh, um, all kinds of Nazi symbols and uh, yeah. white power messages, and an important thing to remember for the Canadians and the rest of you out there um, is that yeah. Canada actually has a higher percentage of white supremacist activity. Um, than the states. There are people who keep track of this. Canada has Ooh. exported quite a lot of white supremacist ideology to the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. A number of prominent white supremacist activists in the United States are Canadians. So yeah. uh, don't, like, for the Canadians, don't get complacent. For the Americans, just understand that this is something that is not unique to the United States. It's actually quite prominent in Canada. We just have universal health care, so everybody says uh, nothing bad is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we really have to stop letting the powers that be get away with this shit. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's it's unacceptable. Yeah. When we have communities that have been fighting to get clean water or uh, enough food to eat, if we're looking at like communities in the far north um, who have just been overlooked and also brutalized. And I think it's really, really clear with the police's inaction during this siege. I mean, obviously, the the main explanation for that is that the police are all of these guys' buddies. um, But. It's really clear to me that the police will only pick on people who they know can't fight back. And Mm -hmm. I think, if anything, this has been really highlighting the cowardice of Canadian police forces uh, who will who will only take action against protesters. They are sure that they can overcome. Yeah. Which, like, I kind of hate to say because I don't want to give these assholes power. Um, mm-hmm. But They're I also... not listening to us, though. So. Yeah, that's true. If you're a white supremacist, fuck off. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, important things to think about. Hey, did you miss us? <laughs>
Did you miss our our, our sunny uh, our sunny, sunny disposition and sunny outlooks on life? We missed you. Um, I'm sorry it took we us did. so long to get back. I got COVID right when we were supposed to start recording again, and mm-hmm. uh, spoiler alert: COVID sucks. It is not a fun illness. I had a quote unquote mild case of it, um, as did my partner, and as did our three year old, and. I have just not recovered fully yet. Like, I am still taking naps pretty much every day. I am still, (sighs) I still have brain soup. Uh, My mental capacity is not at its normal level yet. So, um, fuck you, people who are trying to say we shouldn't wear masks and are harassing people for wearing masks because getting COVID sucks. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but now we are here and we have a really exciting lineup. Um, If you're Mm -hmm. our patron, you've already seen it. I hope we put it on our close friend story on Instagram. If you missed that because you're not on Instagram, let me know. Or if you are not somehow on our close friends list, let me know. I am rambling now. I'm just really happy to be back in the saddle. (laughs) And uh, speaking of exciting things, we read a delightful book this week uh, that we would love to share with you. That's right. This is a Um, book review podcast. (laughs) It is. That's right. That's what we do here. That's what we do here. That's what we do here. That's what this, well, we do. Let's be real, Bailey. That's like a large percentage. It of what is a we large do. percentage of uh, of what we do. We rant about white supremacists. We get excited about casual queers casually existing. Yeah. Um. And we go on tangents. And this book kind of has both of those things, really. Less True. of the white supremacy, but there's like a little tidbit mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Um, there, there's a little tidbit. We also get to rant against turfs in this book, which is oh, we fun. do. Oh my god, yes. So, okay, one thing I just want to say very, very quickly before we get into this book that we are reading today, which is Felix Ever After by Case and Calendar, because it is February. It is our month of black love stories. Um, but speaking of white supremacy and YA lit, uh, also, fuck everybody who's trying to ban every YA book by a black author. Uh, we don't like <sighs> you. Book banning is eugenics by saying books that uh, report black or trans or queer experiences are not appropriate for youth you are saying that youth who have those experiences uh, do not deserve to be part of the general youth experience so fuck you very much let's talk about Felix Ever After (laughs) (laughs) sorry now I just I have that song in my head now Um, which one the Annie DeFranco the fuck you very much one yeah, I, I couldn't remember who it was by. I've been thinking about Ani DeFranco a lot lately, which, like, she was real formative, but she really sucks as a mm. person now. I don't know. Fair. Which shouldn't really I, be surprising. Yeah, I, I don't. I have not followed that. That's unfortunate. Um, it's unfortunate when people suck. But no, it doesn't suck. This book. This book is great. This book is fantastic we've had this one kind of on our tbr for a long time long time because when we read um because we read another case in calendar book a couple did. of years ago yes. for um our black love stories we did and I'm, I'm trying to remember <laughs> i'm trying to remember which one we read give Was me it? just a second my brain is just not where it used to be uh lately and i am forgetting things constantly this is kind of an epic love story was what we read by Case and Kelly. Yes. Uh, and it was excellent. Um, mm-hmm. And then a whole lot of people started asking, have you reviewed Felix Ever After? Are you going to review Felix Ever After? Uh, it's been heavily, heavily requested. Mm-hmm. And we haven't done a ton of trans mask representation. No, we have not. Yeah. I mean, like, we haven't done like it. We haven't had a ton of trans representation on this show yet. We've done some. Yeah, we've been some. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> we're still like books about trans teens are still breaking into the mainstream as part of it but uh but yeah we need to seek out the gems that are there and this this book is a gem this book is a gem um i love that this book is about a teenager who has already transitioned who has already gone through the process of talking to his parents and coming out to his friends Mm -hmm. and you know, went through the period of being stealth and then deciding he didn't really care about being stealth anymore and all of that. Like, I really mm-hmm. appreciate that it's the story of a trans youth who had access to what he needed to transition yeah. 
in his early teens. And that's it's not a coming out story. Yeah, it's it's really wonderful. And I was I was I was just I was telling my partner briefly about the book we were reading this week. And they were remarking that it's like, it's really cool that we can have books that we can imagine this now of like, you know, uh, we have a protagonist who's 17 who transitioned like five years ago. Um, it is it is really cool that we can have and envision those stories now. It really um, is. And one of the uh, one of the gifts it gives us also, what really like I really really noticed in this book is it's such a deft weaving of all of the different veins of transphobia that exist yeah. when you exist as a trans person, uh, mm-hmm. all of the little microaggressions. Like there are macroaggressions as well, but all of the little microaggressions are just really elegantly written. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I mean, obviously, <laughs> Case and Calendar is trans and knows this experience and is writing from yeah. experience. Uh, but just the ways well-meaning transphobia crops up, uh, apathetic transphobia crops up, um, overly enthusiastic ally transphobia crops up. And the yeah. fact that quite a lot of the transphobic microaggressions and macroaggressions that Felix experiences are from queer people. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's very well done and very sort of subtle. And it's just, a, it's a very beautiful portrayal and very like, very like loving. Like, obviously, like this is coming from a trans person yeah. and it's very much for the trans community. One thing that I loved about the portrayals of transphobia, and this, I guess sort of in this book is that it this is I think the first book that I have read with a trans character that explores the sort of trauma and hurt of dead naming without mm-hmm. the book dead naming the character yes! which I loved so much talk about ethical writing right yeah yeah this, um, this is something that everybody needs to understand is that you do not have the right to know anybody's dead name. If you find out somebody's dead name by accident, uh, the most polite thing you can do is forget it ever happened. Yeah. Um, you should not say, oh my God, I can never imagine you as a mm, or like, I can't believe that was your name or any of the things you do obviously anything more aggressive just don't just just don't it doesn't exist doesn't exist yeah it doesn't exist and i i i love this book like modeling that because i've i've noticed that before and felt these like twinges of discomfort before i read a i read like a really lovely book recently with a with a trans lead um and there there is this this moment where she's dead named and and her dead name is printed and and I've I've read other books that have similar scenes, and it's it's almost like there's this this kind of like like voyeuristic yes. sense to the way the scene is told, where it and it's almost like like the the book or the author felt like in order to to get the gravity of that scene, you had to do that, you yeah. had to reveal the name. But I think that this book shows so beautifully that you can portray. Mm-hmm what dead naming feels like without actually dead naming the character to the audience of the book. And, another, um, and I just really loved that. And another book that does that really well that we've reviewed was Zenobia July, which we reviewed okay. several, a couple years ago. Zenobia is not actually out during like a, a large portion of the book, um, but she is still never dead named in the text. Um, mm-hmm. Which is, yes, I feel like most books by trans people do that. Yeah. <laughs> Authors who model boundaries both in their storytelling and in their writing. Um, yeah. Something I love a lot. So, generally, this story. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, folks, we're a little out of practice here. Felix Ever After is about Felix Love, a 17-year-old boy who has never been in love and would like to be. And... Mm-hmm. We are reading this for Fluffy February. Uh, we read romance books by Black authors during February because it is Black History Month and also Valentine's Day, and it feels like a nice way to celebrate uh, both of those things. 
he has his best friend Ezra who he hangs out with all the time he has his dad who is supportive but kind of fucks up a lot Mm -hmm. I think we need to talk a little bit about like parents of trans kids because I have some thoughts like supportive parents of trans kids and the way quote unquote supportive parents of trans kids fuck up is something Mm -hmm. that I think about a lot and I would like to talk about that a little bit anyway uh, Felix gets a really horrific act of transphobic violence against him uh, Mm -hmm. where somebody reveals his old private photos of him pre-transition and also his dead name publicly at his school. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the story follows the fallout from that, but also really is primarily about Felix kind of figuring love out and figuring Mm -hmm. crushes out and figuring himself out. He's also exploring his Mm -hmm. own identity and really at its heart this is a story about accepting the love we think we deserve Mm -hmm. um and it really 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 just like scooped my heart out Uh, i have been noticing lately that these storylines about accepting the love (laughs) you think we deserve tend to punch me in the gut and uh, yes i am noticing that (laughs) (laughs) feeling a little called out by your reading material just just a little bit i felt very connected to felix as a protagonist Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i uh i he he tugged my heartstrings yeah it's it's such a beautiful story and i i really liked at the beginning of this episode you framed our theme for February is black love stories. And I particularly liked that in read this book because this, this, this book does have a romance in it. It does have a very sweet romantic love story, but ultimately this is a book about um, like self love, I would say above anything else. Um, And, and that's a very important love story to tell. It is. And we've been seeing more and more of these books lately and it makes me so happy uh, because really, when you're a teenager, really any at any point in life, it, it, mm-hmm. it the important thing isn't finding somebody to give you all that love. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's lovely to find people who love you and to be surrounded by people who love you. But ultimately, no one person can replace yourself in mm-hmm. your life. You, yeah. you have to love yourself to feel, I think, full and complete. Um, And that's a really hard journey, and it's an especially hard journey when you have been told your whole life that the way you are either doesn't exist or is wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really, really hard to love yourself when you have people telling you that the way you are fundamentally is wrong. And that is why we see high rates of self-harm among trans youth that disappear when they are supported. And I mean, I say yeah. youth, but it's for adults, too. It's for everybody. Everybody needs this. We're just talking about youth because this is a YA book. Um, mm-hmm. So we're getting very conceptual. But let's, like, <laughs> let's, like, go surface again. Let's talk about the story. <laughs> let's talk about, like, the storyline itself. Uh, mm-hmm. I made a snarky tweet while I was reading this about how there are maybe <laughs> enough books at this point, enough <laughs> YA books about queer youth going to art programs in New York City. Very specifically, I feel like we have read several of these. I see I was when you read the tweet, I was like, yeah, that seems like a trope. And then I was like, I can't actually think of one, like even one specific really? other book. Did I just <laughs> It this... felt really familiar. Like there are definitely a lot of YA books about teens in the summer in New York City. And there are definitely yeah. a lot of books about queer teens in the summer in New York City. And there are definitely a lot of books about queer teens who going art. to art school. We really need to get some queer... Like, every trans woman I know codes. We need to get some <laughs> yeah. some some books about, like, queer teens going to coding camp. Because, like, literally, I feel like every... I don't want to stereotype, but I just feel like all the trans women I know code. Um, <laughs> uh, no, nah, I can think of a few exceptions. Anyway... <laughs> Yeah, yeah but but that's definitely like yeah it's uh but of course i like i i, I was like very into that because i i was yes of course i was the anxious yeah. queer teen in art school i particularly resonated with the way that like felix interacted in his head with his classmates around art yeah um because 
Yeah. So I really loved seeing the progression. I there's this so Felix mm-hmm. thinks of himself as not as talented as his classmates. He's constantly measuring himself against his classmates and measuring himself mm-hmm. up short. And there's a point about midway through the book when his teachers and classmates all start saying, "Felix, you're like more talented than anybody else like I'm really intimidated by you you have so much talent you have so much like technical ability and I loved how that created like a cognitive dissonance in the reading experience like Mm -hmm. the way it was written because we didn't get that from the get-go we didn't get that tension from the beginning so when it came in it was sort of like an aha moment of like oh Mm -hmm. okay Felix is not accurately observing himself Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, where I did not get that cognitive dif- dissonance is with Ezra being, spoiler alert, in love with Felix. This yeah. was very clear from the v- beginning of the book. We yeah. all knew this from the beginning of the book. Mm-hmm. I said before I really resonate with Felix's character, I really, really resonate with his ability to just make himself oblivious to the affection of the people around him yeah um and this 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 idea of like self-hatred as kind of a self-absorption um Mm -hmm. that's something that resonates with me very strongly because when i get really like anxious and just focused on my own things and focused on how I feel about myself and focused on never measuring up and never feeling like good enough and never feeling worthy Mm -hmm. of love it's true that puts blinders on you that makes you like Mm -hmm. not able to see the love people around you are offering and I really loved how we get Felix has never allowed himself to even consider the possibility of dating Ezra because he Mm -hmm. just like he just he he will not put himself in that position he will Mm -hmm. not put himself he thinks Ezra is so great and he will not make himself worthy um and I I thought it was extremely well written. Kaysen is a, a master of showing, not telling. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, very, very good at that. Which is always, it's a delight to read books that are, that do that as well as this book does. Can we talk about Marisol? Oh, fuck. Yes, we can. Um, fuck Marisol, so first This of is all. the post that I mentioned. Yes. Um, and this is, you alluded to this at the beginning, but this book does a very good job of examining both um, transphobia and uh, like anti-Black racism in the queer community. It does yeah, a really excellent job of that. And Marisol is one of our examples. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> boy. She is our one of our antagonists. Um, yeah, so Marisol is part yeah. of Felix's friend group. She is sort of Felix's ex-girlfriend, but like mm-hmm. it was, you know, sort of three awkward dates that didn't go anywhere because yeah. Marisol calls Felix a misogynist for wanting to transition, mm-hmm. which just, uh, <laughs> And Felix is just kind of like, uh, okay, and they break up. But Felix doesn't tell mm-hmm. anybody. Um, yeah. Because when you get transphobic violence normalized enough times, you stop assuming people will be upset about it. Mm-hmm. And we also start to worry that the people who are saying these things might be right. Yes, which uh, is a big part of with mm-hmm. Felix. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a big, yeah, a huge part of how it plays in. And that's one of the wonderful things that unfolds in this book is like when Felix is able to start opening up about the various kinds of violence he is and has received he is able to be surprised by the ways in which people rally around him yes um which is really really wonderful I also really love how Felix models so this book like overall just feels so familiar to me both in Felix's internal experience, but also, like, the friend group, the kind of conversations they have, the constant, like, philosophical talking about queer theory. Like, this is, this yes, this is how queer people talk to each other. This is, like, when you're queer, when you're trans, your friend group becomes all queer and trans, and it, it really truly is, like a thing, especially with younger queers, that happens constantly, that you are just... Mm-hmm 
constantly, constantly queer theorying, um, eternally. Uh, and it was cute. Like, like I was just like, oh yeah, this is like, I'm like, I feel like we're getting to a point now where maybe our friend groups are not doing that quite so much because we're like mm-hmm. getting more confident in our identities and just kind of like talking about our sourdough starters instead, which is a different stereotype that is also true. Turfs happen and transphobia happens, especially in queer communities. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated this first kind of overt transphobic antagonist we see being a queer woman of color who's just kind of like, I don't know, that's my opinion. I just think, that's my, you know? There's just, this book does a very good job of showing that like, just because people hold marginalizations doesn't mean they can't be shitty to people who are more or differently marginalized than they are. And, Um, I mean, big spoiler alert, when we find out... So, Felix, after the thing with the gallery, starts being harassed online by an anonymous account, which, Mm -hmm. like, oh, my God, people, if somebody slides into your DMs and starts harassing you, block them. Just mm-hmm. block them immediately. I personally, if I get a single message from an account I don't know, they get blocked immediately. This is just my mm-hmm. my constant boundary. <laughs> just, I, just uh, like I understand, we can talk about the psychology of why Felix does not. Yes. I'm just gonna say, <laughs> even if you have doubts, even if you get that message and you're like, maybe this is no, just block, just, just don't let them yeah. in, just don't let them in, don't let them come hurt you. Go talk to your therapist about it. Or, like, your mm-hmm. friend about it. Or, like, whoever you have access to. Just do not let that troll into your head. Block, they block, 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 with. block. They're not worth arguing with. They're <gasps> not worth your time or energy. Block, or block, block. Um, but Felix does not block this account because he is mm-hmm. feeling a little bit of self-loathing and he's feeling a little bit masochistic and he's feeling a little bit like maybe he deserves a little bit of harassment. Um, Mm -hmm. which no one ever does. Yeah, he also has this sort of naive, like, there's a part of him, I think, that wants to continue engaging with this person because he wants to, um, well, it's the thing of wanting to sort of, like, prove that he's worthy of love, and there's this part of him that thinks that if he can say the right things, he will be able to get this person to back down. Yeah. Um, And it's... I do love how this is part of sort of the arc of Felix sort of coming into it because there is a point where he's like, why, why am I continuing to engage yeah. with this person? Yeah. I don't deserve to do this to myself, basically. Yeah. And the same with the emails to his mother. So his mother left him mm-hmm. when he was 10 and has just not contacted him since. And he keeps sending, well, he keeps drafting emails and not sending them to her because he he's, he's, he's just trying to find love he's really hurt um Mm -hmm. and yeah the end of that arc is he decides to stop doing that and he Mm -hmm. talks to his dad instead and says here are the ways that the way you're acting hurt me Uh, Mm ah god okay there are a few big things we haven't talked about we haven't talked about Declan we need to talk about Declan true uh we haven't talked about Felix's dad very much Mm -hmm. and I think we should talk a little more about Ezra yeah, uh, I but, would also like to touch on the art, but we can we can oh, figure it out. Absolutely, we can talk about the art. Yes, um, I think so. Ultimately, this troll is unveiled to be a white cis gay boy uh, mm-hmm. who is feeling like the black queer trans boy gets all the attention and doesn't deserve it and is lashing out. And I just like how all of the bad guys in this book are. <laughs> queer um and just kind of lashing out because they want things like they feel entitled to certain things mm-hmm. and get angry like find a scapegoat and that scapegoat is way too often somebody who is much less privileged yeah it's really thinking about how this idea of like this sort of like toxic idea of scarcity that can take hold in in marginalized communities and because all of this is coming from these people who've convinced themselves that like they they would be like the reason that they are um 
you know, oppressed or not doing well or whatever is because more marginalized people are taking things away from them. Instead and, of, you know, looking. which is obviously not how oppression works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and people who are more marginalized than you are not the people who are causing your problems. <laughs> they are not your enemy. It's um, not an oppression Olympics. No. And you know, we we even see Felix engaging in the oppression Olympics a little bit when we think about um, his relationship with Declan. Where he and is, Ezra. And Ezra, yeah. He's, he's super, super got this huge chip on his shoulder for anybody he perceives as kind of having a little more privilege than him. Mm-hmm. And he can get really nasty about it. He can get really yeah. like... Uh, petty and and to the point of like trying to destroy Declan for what he perceives as having more privilege when it turns out like Declan does but like Mm -hmm. you know when you're all 17 you can't like super duper hold that against each other Um, one thing I love when Felix snaps at Ezra and Ezra handles it so beautifully oh yeah Ezra is just right away like, I understand where you're coming from. You're right that I take some of my privilege for granted. Um, but you just really hurt my feelings. And you're kind of being an asshole. And like, mm-hmm. you know that I can't help any of this. So why are you lashing out at me? And then and then Felix is like, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. And they like, they make up. And it's lovely. Mm-hmm. About a third of the way through the book, I was like, okay. I really like this book. It's either going to be an enemies to lovers or a friends to lovers or a love triangle with both enemies to lovers and friends to lovers. And either way, I'm here for it. And it is the love triangle. And I like that. Yeah. I like that, like, this book did not make it obvious until close to the end what was going to happen, mm-hmm. um, which is refreshing in a romance novel. Absolutely. Because usually you can tell by, like, the third chapter exactly how this is going to shake out. Mm-hmm. Um, and they found that the refreshing and fun. Yeah, it did kind of the thing where, like, if you've never read Pride and Prejudice before, or like watched Pride and Prejudice for before, like uh, for a while, when you think Wickham is gonna like mm-hmm. is gonna like be the one, yeah, it kind of did that thing. Yeah. Except like, like it wasn't actually a Wickham thing because Declan isn't actually like a villain. But yeah, 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 Declan is not going to run off and disgrace your sister's virtue. Um, that's true um so Declan is this kid who like he's Ezra's ex who broke up with Ezra in a really shitty way and Felix in a move that I also really deeply personally understand decided fuck this guy I hate him forever um and it wasn't really based on anything except that which like again Mm -hmm. uh, yes when people dump my friends I tend to be a little bit like (laughs) fuck this guy forever like you have some exes that I just kind of hate on principle Uh, I I seem to remember you once offering to spit in somebody's coffee for me Um, that sounds like me I hold grudges for my friends very well I'm not as good at holding them for myself but if you are my friend and you need a grudge held hand it over and he thinks that Declan outed him. Mm-hmm. Based mostly just on the fact that he does not like Declan yeah, it and really Declan is, does not like him. It really is just like, I don't like this guy. I bet it was him. Which is a very 17-year-old strand mm-hmm. of reasoning. That is a very teenager approach. And <laughs> decides, you know, reasonably to catfish him and make him admit that he did it. And... Then they end up really hitting it off because Declan is not actually a terrible person. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's well done because there's this like, they they almost start dating, you know? They kind yeah. of try. And then it becomes really clear that basing a connection on lying about who you are is not a way to have a good relationship. Mm-hmm. And Declan can't really get around that. And Felix isn't actually all that interested in Declan. He was just looking for somebody to make him feel seen. Um, And, like, I also definitely understand this. I don't want to talk to any of the people I love about what I'm going through because I don't want to burden them. But here's somebody I don't know. Like, sometimes it's much easier to talk to someone you don't know well. 
Yeah. And sometimes that can create a false sense of intimacy. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes it leads to getting to know each other better and it's great. But sometimes Mm -hmm. you're just kind of putting stuff on this random person without really building a relationship, without really making it reciprocal, without really thinking about them. It leads to Felix neglecting his friends. It leads to Felix kind of neglecting blowing off his dad. Um, Mm -hmm. And even though it's really like fun and butterflies in the tummy at the time, when it comes to the end, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, this this This, was not this was not a good thing. Yeah, (laughs) Um, it's a good like growth thing that he has to go through. The other thing just with Declan that I want to touch on, I really I like how sort of through the Declan dynamic and then the people who end up actually being the shitty people, this, this book sort of explores a dynamic that's often the case in sort of situations of bullying and abusive behavior where like it's not the people who are outwardly shitty who are often the most vicious and violent and bullying abusive people it's it it's the people who seem nice on the surface sometimes Mm -hmm. um and so i like i like how that is kind of explored as well yeah absolutely um, and also how like the 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 main antagonist ultimately was primarily motivated by just jealousy. It was really just like I was mad that you had something I wanted, and so I decided to be horrifically violent towards you. Mm-hmm. Um, also, yeah. for what it's worth, I'm using the word violence very much on purpose. There's no physical violence in this, um, but psychological and verbal violence are every bit as harmful. And yeah. I am not going to minimize that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so art the other part of this whole thing is that felix is an artist who is feeling disenchanted uh and frustrated with himself and wondering if he should just give up on everything because it is feeling hard Mm -hmm. um and he needs to access his emotions and he's not really able to access his emotions and put them into his work um, I like how the teacher who kind of encourages him towards where he ends up is actually not like a super great teacher. Um, yeah. She just like happened to have a good moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's not this like magical, like perfect guide and stuff. She just she happened to give a good suggestion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like so often we have the magical teacher who's like so invested in your work and stuff. And it's just like, mm-hmm. nah, she's 25. She's kind of overwhelmed, but she just like happened to say something right. Yeah. Um, but basically Felix's big turning point is he goes from painting portraits of people around him to uh, doing self-portraits. Um, and I feel like this is sometimes a trope in art books, but like being an artist myself, it's also true. Yep. <laughs> like painting yourself, particularly if you were someone who struggles with any kind of like marginalization and or mental illness is one of the hardest and also most rewarding subjects to paint. And, and I just, I really, I really like that like that's his breakthrough and it it uh it's this sort of beautiful like journey of him really like having to get to know himself Mm -hmm. by looking at and representing himself and I just like it Mm -hmm. and I like that the cover of this book is one of his self-portraits oh the cover of this book is so beautiful I feel like this book has been out long enough that probably most people have seen the cover by now but it's just this gorgeous portrait of him with flowers on his head and flowers all around him and it's it's really beautiful Mm -hmm. um and like a smile and looking relaxed and happy and uh yeah it's such an image of trans joy yeah yeah it's just beautiful. Yeah, it's very, very good. I um, I liked the self-portraits as well. I mean, you mentioned, like, struggling with mental illness, but also just, quite frankly, dysphoria. Like, a lot mm-hmm. of trans people do not like to look in the mirror. A lot of trans yeah. people do not like to see themselves uh, pre- and post-transition. Like, it can be really mm-hmm. painful because you can see all the things you wish were different rather than mm-hmm. seeing yourself. And there's something very powerful, I think, also about how trans people are often accused of being like narcissistic or selfish mm-hmm. for like simply transitioning and requesting that people use words that do not 
harm us. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. And there is something so powerful about just filling a gallery with Mm self-portraits and saying, no, (laughs) look at me. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really beautiful and powerful. Yeah, no, it's it's great. This is a good book. This is a really good book. This book, I, I already said it. This book kind of scooped my heart out and kind of kicked it around. Um, <laughs> finally, I would like to touch briefly on Felix's dad because I said I was going mm-hmm. to and I haven't yet. Felix's dad helps him get hormone therapy, helps him get his top surgery, helps him change his name, you know, is is supportive in the sense of the ways that we say that parents of trans kids should be supportive but he has his little hang-ups he still dead names Felix and it's been five years and he still dead names Felix uh Mm -hmm. and and he'll say really hurtful things um and then he'll just be like you know I just need some time to wrap my head around it unfortunately (laughs) I think far too often cis parents of trans kids will do the bare minimum And by the bare minimum, I mean helping your child access life-saving medical care, like Mm -hmm. hormonal therapy and surgery, gender-affirming surgeries, and then be like, well, because I did the bare minimum, I deserve a little transphobia as a treat. Um, I I should be allowed to say that I'm grieving my child because I feel like they died, which is a fucking horrific thing to say. Like, think about the fucking burden that places on your child, telling them that them embracing their joy and living the way they have to makes you feel a bottomless grief of like, that's that's a horrible thing to put on your child. Don't put that on your child. If you've done that, go sit in the corner and think about what you've done for the rest of this episode. Like, I really just I do not have time for that i don't care about your feelings in this case this is about your child's feelings okay you are a parent grow the fuck up fair though um this is people i think we praise cis parents of trans kids too much i think we praise the support of cis parents of trans kids too much we say oh my god you're letting your child be who they are at school oh my god you're letting your child get hormonal therapy no we don't praise parents for getting their children chemo when they have cancer. Yeah. We don't praise parents for um, getting their children vaccinated against measles. Like, although lately, <laughs> um, <laughs> we don't praise parents for buying their children shoes. Yeah. Th- th- these are not things we praise parents for. If we praised parents for buying their children shoes, we would see a lot more parents being like, oh yeah, she doesn't have winter boots, but I bought her sneakers this summer, which is what Mm -hmm. a lot of cis parents of trans kids do. Well, it's because we (laughs) act like being unsupportive is the default. Yep. And anything that is not that is a heroic and praiseworthy act. Mm -hmm. Which is not the case. It's not the case. And it makes excuses for parents who are still executing microaggressions that are still harmful against their children. And it's also really, like, you were talking about the bare minimum, but it's also very interesting, and this book portrays it well. There's sort of two categories of support that trans kids and trans people in general need. There's the, like, material, instrumental support of the doctor's appointments and the name change paperwork and all of that. And there's the emotional support. Mm -hmm. And what we see Felix's dad getting away with, and I think that this is not uncommon, is if they check all the boxes of the material and instrumental support, they don't have to worry about providing any of the emotional support (laughs) because they've already done so much. And I think this we, is all with huge. Secret I, code, I think secret we code. actually see this the other way as well, often with parents where they'll mm. be like, well, I stopped using their dead name and I use the pronouns they asked for. And I'm very supportive at home, but I'm not sure they should do hormones yet. And I'm not sure they should change their Like we see these are the two kinds of sort of like well-meaning, well, eh, medium. meaning. Yeah. It's, it's a kind of like, how can I support my child just enough that I don't have to engage with my own discomfort? Yeah. But the engaging with your own discomfort is the foundation. That's the first thing you should be dealing with, is engaging with your own discomfort. 
I mean, no, the first mm-hmm. thing you should be doing is like saving your child's life because if you have a child who's in intense distress, like do whatever you need to do to alleviate that first. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are still internally transphobic, you are going to hurt your trans child. You cannot yeah. help that. And like, yeah, for a lot of parents, that can be hard. Parenting is a constant process of unlearning the things that we learn as Mm -hmm. children. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But oh my God. Yeah. And I really like that he finally, at the end, is like, no, you're right. I do need to deal with this. I'm very sorry. Like, yeah. Yeah. But it shouldn't have taken five years. Nope. Shouldn't have taken five years. Nope. <laughs> so I don't know if you yeah. are um okay one more thing I'm gonna say real quick because I've seen this from not just parents but also um caregivers and I I know that we have a lot of listeners who are like teachers and librarians and youth workers mm-hmm. so whether you're a parent a youth worker a teacher whatever um do not out the trans children in your lives yeah do not out the trans children in your lives. Do not make an Instagram account all about how you are a great cis parent ally with your five-year-old child with their face and their dead name and their new name and everything. Don't do that. I know you'll get internet clout. You're going to fuck up your relation. You're going to fuck up your child. Don't fucking do that. That puts your child at so much risk. So much danger. So much danger. Do not do that. Um, if you're a teacher, like I've had people say to me like, oh, yeah, I have this this trans child who I care for in my professional role and then tell me their name. Just like, don't don't don't. I don't need to know this child's name. I don't need to know that this child is trans. You can be a trans ally without telling me by name the trans children you care for. Um, You can be a trans ally without outing like spoiler alert. Let's blow up your brain. Outing the trans children in your life does not make you a better ally. <laughs> yeah. Stop making your allyship about you. Start making it about the trans people in your life. This book gave me some feelings. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's really good. Thank you to everybody who recommended this book. one. I'm really glad we read it. Yeah, I'm so glad we finally read it. It's so beautiful. And um, I can't let this episode end without uh, using my favorite word to describe books like this, which is it's a very tender book. <laughs> it is. I will give you that. It is tender. But yeah, it's, it's a very, very good book. Someday we're going to have to go do a segment where we go through every book we've ever reviewed and you vote whether it's tender or not. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, Felix Ever After by Kaysen Callender. Uh, Kaysen Callender, if you're listening to this, thank you for writing this book. I'm really glad this book good. exists. We love it. Thank we you. love it. You're great. Yeah, I understand all the hype now. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert for everybody. We have more Black Trans Mask Joy coming at you later this month. So stay yeah. tuned. See you next week. All right. <laughs> Oh, right. We have, a, we have an outro. I forgot that we have an outro. My bad. Thanks for listening to Yeah. If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. I am real behind on the inbox. I'm sorry, people. But, like, you can keep sending the emails. I will, I will get to them. Uh, follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Yeah Podcast, and individually, I'm at Teffer Bear, and I'm at The Balesosaurus. If you really urgently want to get in touch with us, uh, the best way is really social media. The only thing that does not work for is book pitches. If you're suggesting, like, if you are pitching your own book to us, do that by email. If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including... Oh, no, this is yours. This is your section. This is your section. Okay, you want me to take it? Yes, my brain rice. <laughs> no worries. I was just going to let you do it. Um, if you like the show and want to help us make it Wait, even Wait, no, better. no, no. You didn't list your handle. Did you? Oh, no, I did. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. 
shout out to our wonderful patrons, Catherine Reshi, Kat McGuire, Lizzie Tempo, Chantal Thomas, Erica Suchberry, Megan Jane, and Emmett Cameron. We love you and you are the best. We continue to have merch. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at Tee Public. I think we clearly need to come up with some new designs because our merch is not selling. That's fair. We, uh... <laughs> we'll get around we'll put, to we'll it. We'll put our we'll three brain cells it. together. It'll happen. <laughs> you can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, subscribing on Spotify, and by sharing this episode with a friend. These things truly do help us, so they're free. Share it with Idiosa's parents of trans kids, you know. <laughs> Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by Tepper Jemian and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. Bye! Bye! Hello, my name is Stefan, and I am the host of a show called Some Good Friends, and it's a podcast, and it will make you laugh, and we talk to some of my good friends, and they're crazy and hilarious and wacky, and you're going to love them just as much as I do. Currently, while I'm recording this, I forgot to mute all my other takes, so I'm hearing myself say different words in my ears. The show comes out every Monday, weekly. Hey! I'm October Jones, and Hi, this is... I'm Fish With Legs. I'm a fish with legs. Fish. I'm the elemental creature of water. And I'm here to tell you about my podcast called October Jones and Fish With Legs. Starring me and my best friend... <laughs> October Jones. Nailed it. October and Fish is a fictional series that follows me and Fish With Legs as we try to stop an evil two-headed snake from releasing a terrible monster. And make friends, and go on adventures, and get captured a lot, and escape a lot, and encounter racism. And what? And learn very special lessons every third episode. I have not learned a single lesson. Yes, you did. We learned about being friends, and authoritarianism, and colonialism, and how to defeat a giant crab. Authoritarianism? They're in authority for a reason, Fish With Legs. If everyone followed the rules set in place by the human government, then there wouldn't Wait be- for adults and kids. <sighs> New episodes on Mondays. You can find it wherever you find podcasts and, of course, on the Upford website. Okay, that's it.